Hey y'all, this is Emma, the founder of The Rex Project, and you're here today with our Athlete Impact Podcast. At The Rex Project, we are all about educating and empowering athletes to end abuse in sports. In addition to our Athlete Impact Podcast, we also have our website, therexproject.org. There you can learn about how to identify and respond to abuse, as well as hear other athletes' experiences with abuse in sports and various resources. Together, we can end abuse in sports and create safe sports for all. On today's episode, we get to welcome WomanX founder and CEO, Mary Champa, who uses she, her pronouns, and WomanX chief operating officer, Tiffany Bullock, who also uses she, her pronouns. WomanX is centered around using technology to bring women accessible quality education from female experts with the goal of building community, knowledge, and awareness surrounding the world's current events. Mary's an iron woman, serial entrepreneur, and woman advocate. Initially launching her first startup at 28 years old, Mary used this and learnings from her 30-year career to help national and international startups. Her board and advisory roles at Boston Museum of Science and Berklee College of Music Online inspired her to tackle the growing number of barriers to accessing a quality education faced by women. Tiffany is a justice, diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, and sustainability advocate dedicated to creating career pathways for women and people of color. Building off of her degrees in history and law, Tiffany uses her platform to support diversity recruiting initiatives, actively participate in affinity groups supporting working parents, women, and black lawyers, and develop partnership and fellowship opportunities to support underrepresented law students and attorneys. As always, a sincere, sincere thank you for listening, supporting. So without further ado, let's get to it. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, welcome. It's awesome to have you. Would you both mind introducing yourselves, pronouns, um, and your position at WomanX? Of course. Thank you so much for having us. I'm Mary Champa, and I'm the founder of WomenX. She, her, hers are my pronouns. And my background is in marketing and startups. This is, this is my third startup. So... I am very passionate about education, I think because I'm dyslexic and I've always been striving to get access to education. And I've always been uh, passionate about gender equity, raised by a single mom and uh, just seeing the struggles that women have experienced and continue to experience that has been to both education and gender equity. Equity have been core to who I am. Hi, Emma. Thank you for having us. I'm Tiffany Bullock, and I have a background in law at WomenX, though I am the chief operating officer. And um, all my life as a first-generation student, community has meant a lot to my educational journey. Both of my parents are not from America, and so really finding my tribe in each of my educational or professional spaces has made all the difference for me. Um, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, and I've learned that mentors and sponsors can really make a huge difference in your ability to have a fulfilling career. And so um, I want to provide that for other women. Um, and I know women feel the most isolated uh, in addition to people of color in spaces that are traditionally not meant for them. And so I want to break open that door and also um, bring community to them and through them. I love how you bring up education as well. My dad was a high school teacher for like 20, 20 or 25, 30-ish years. And so it's definitely like education always came before sports for me. And it's like really was, I knew I had to do well in school to keep doing skiing and so on. And so it was a big motivator. And then it was only about two-ish years ago that I got diagnosed with like ADHD. And it was such a like, <laughs> not eye-opening because everything kind of stayed the same but just like explained a lot and like made it really help me understand like okay that's why I like put so much not had to put so much time into school and like had to like write all these notes and all of that and so yeah like Mary and totally have just like finding ways that education work best for you and so you can get the most out of it and that's just amazing what you all are doing with WomenX. Um, Emma I have ADHD as well so I can relate Entirely. And Tiffany's amazing at keeping me in line. <laughs> oh, you do? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, my mom and I, um, 
whenever a while ago we were um we're a perfect match in some ways because she's a great great listener i'm a great talker and we like accidentally hung up or i accidentally hung up while we were talking a while ago i was out walking and i kept talking for like two or three minutes until i realized that she was no longer on the other side so yeah keeping keeping in line is needed what is has been your experience with sport and this could be like growing up to now for me sport was not a part of my childhood I was never really coordinated. I tried out for things, but I also lived in a town where you needed someone to teach you the skills. And because my mom was working, I didn't have someone to teach me how to throw a ball or teach me how to kick a ball. I, the only really sport I had was a uh, handball. I had a ball and a wall and I would just go hit it against the wall. <laughs> um, so I was pretty sad that I couldn't play any sports. My family are really musicians. And so music was a part of our lives, but I didn't have a sport until later in life. And I was uh, always loved cycling because when I was 14, I got my worker's permit and a bicycle and I felt like the world was available to me. I could make money and I could get somewhere. So cycling to me is my passion now. And I took that to a bit further to achieve a goal I never thought I could achieve, which was to do an Iron Woman. And not knowing how to swim, I learned to do it because I had that goal in my mind. And in 2013, I completed the the Iron Woman in um, Mont-Tremblant in Canada. That's an awesome story. Your life, like what did that moment of sport give you? It gave me empowerment. Like you can set your mind to do something and complete it. And it was very tangible. Like if I said, I want to run 10 miles and then I go and I completed 10 miles. And so it was really empowering. I did a lot of training on my own, which was really difficult because I didn't have people motivating me. And uh, one of my training rides, I did 110 miles and got lost on the way back because it was raining and had hypothermia and it was just really scary. But I got through it and I was like, okay, you know, um, so I just learned that you can, if you set your mind to do something, you can do it. And it was extremely empowering and um, not feeling as if I was an athlete to be able to complete that was just, I will say I did have my period during it. And that was the most challenging part of the whole thing. And I don't think women talk about these things enough, but um, that was a huge drawback and it slowed me down on my bike significantly. Yeah, it's really unique the way sports touch my upbringing because I didn't play and I have never played a sports on a team individually um, or even rec or intramural. But I've always been an avid fan of sport, and sport has always been integral to my family dynamic. My dad grew up playing sports on an island, um, and so when he came to America, sport was his way of entering um, American society. That is how he built his social capital, becoming an avid sports fan, and it really helped him get to know American culture, and he passed that down to us. Unfortunately, I grew up in a um, part of Queens that did not have access to sport. So there were no sports teams in my school. I can't tell you if where a, a pool was growing up. So I never learned to swim. Um, we didn't have those sorts of opportunities. But my dad, being an avid sports fan, I grew up listening to cricket every day. I grew up listening to soccer, watching soccer, Um one of the first uh, books my dad handed me was about Jesse Owens and what he did at the 1936 Olympics in front of Hitler and always imparting on me and my sisters how powerful sport was, much beyond um, athleticism and ability, but really social justice and what 
sport meant to the black community, not only in America, but abroad. And so sport was always huge. And I became an avid fan. My dad and I would go to football games in the winter from high school all the way up to professional. We would go to soccer games. We would follow players around the state. Uh, for high school, I had the pleasure of going to a school in the county as Maya Moore. She played for Collins Hill, which was a neighboring high school. And I followed Maya and watched her. Um, and so sport was huge. And it was an interesting dynamic because my dad has no sons. He has four girls. And each of us um, found an interest in a sport that he loved or one of the sports that he loved and he would just bounce us around and he never made us feel like we couldn't keep up with the stats that we were different because we were women that we couldn't be as loud proud avid fans and it's something that i grew up with um, as a real part of my upbringing the saddest part of sport in my family is that my dad is an avid jets fan and the jets are never doing well so i also grew up understanding what loyalty means in the midst of adversity <laughs> great ending um wow yeah and i think i really liked how you highlighted to the community that like just goes like you know you don't have to be playing sports to get the sports community and to get the power of sports and like you said the social justice of sports and I do think like, I know from my experience of like, you know, despite the, you know, college, whatever years that weren't super positive in a lot of ways of still knowing like those were a few people in sport that didn't, you know, weren't acting in the right way, but like sports themselves have like never done anything to hurt me. They've only empowered me. And I think especially like you've said, as like a young female and like, you know, my dad, like cheering me on always and like never, never making me feel like I couldn't do anything. And like really just like being so proud of me. Um, you know, when I pushed myself, even if I didn't do well, like, you know, I pushed myself or I tried something new or I did some strength feat or whatever. And yeah, it was just like such a way that I felt grounded and a place to like, just be myself and have that community around me. Even if it wasn't immediate, it was just like being around people who I felt like I could relate with. The one thing, the one thing my dad taught me um, about sport is that the athlete is more than a product. They're a person. And because of that, I think the programming that we do around uh, women being in control, women athletes being in control of the narratives really resonates with me because that is how I've always thought about athletes, right? We should get to know their story, who they are, their motivations, what they're doing with their platform, what they want to do beyond um, their skill, which is also really important and really admirable. No, thank you for touching on that. It's also a perfect segue into, from what I've understood, Woman X is helping bring women quality education from female experts to build community and understanding while using tech to make it more accessible than ever, uh, than it ever was before. Would you add anything to that? Well, I think we did our job because that's exactly who we are. Perfect. <laughs> so I'm glad you took that away from what you've learned from us. Okay, that's amazing. So what ha- what topics has Women X covered up until now and why why sports? Because right, you do education kind of educational series. Um so what topics and then yeah, why sports now? I started Women X on the anniversary of Title IX. It's June twenty third, nineteen seventy-two. We just experienced the fiftieth anniversary. And why I chose that date is because the legislation gave women equal access and opportunity to education. That was the primary reason why I chose that date. I didn't know the impact it had on women in sports until I really started to look into and celebrate the 50th anniversary. And for that 50th anniversary, we decided to use sports as a lens of the issues in society. Gender equity is a huge issue in sports, and it's an area that brings people together. So what better topic to bring people together to talk about and learn about the issues that we have in our programs? So we launched a program 
the summer before the 50th anniversary with partners called Legends of the Ball, who are women in the first women's professional basketball league called the WBL. And they their mission is to share their history and to ensure that their stories and history is preserved and that people know that there were eight leagues before the WNBA. And that's what happens. People, women have been playing the sports and the sports was invented. And we often don't know that. And we realize that there was a huge gap in knowledge and education around that. And it's hard to know where what is possible if we don't know what other women have done. So that's a big part of our education philosophy and in every course that we offer, we always start with history. I think what I love about our sports um, vertical is that it is a topic that on the face of it, like I just spoke about, that people feel good about and it brings people together. But that's not always the case, right? A lot of what's happening in the world is divisive um, and a lot of it's unfair. And so many of our courses touch on and are fueled by current event happenings that affect the status of women. And it's really important that we not only get impassioned about these topics, but that we get educated. And we want to be able to provide women with trustworthy, deep knowledge on a topic that affects their reality delivered to them by a woman expert um, so that they can see themselves even in the the curriculum design um, and that the space and environment in which they hear that information is a safe one um, and that they feel that they can use their voice um, to express their opinions and to um, gain perspectives, both new and refined old ones, um, in a way that provides them with agency so that they can handle um, what, what adversity we face in society as second-class citizens, and that we can push towards advancement and bring other women along. And so our other courses touch on everything from COVID, which really affected women, um, to uh, civics education, crafted for women, particularly encouraging women to um, make the leap into serving as public servants. Um, We've also done the history of abortion because abortion rights were under attack as they have historically been. But for this new generation, I could see how this moment seems um, more vicious than others in the past. But once we learn that history, we realize it's par for the course right? Um, We've done courses on lighter topics as well um, in terms of activism and music and how female artists have used their voice instruments and silence for for, for social change. Uh, And, you know, the, the list goes on. I think what's really cool about us at Women X is that we look at the news, we hear the people we see what is on their minds, and we try to craft a course that we think um, will be educational, deep, rigorous, but also inspiring, and inspiring in a way that we're saying, look, we are here to stay. We want equitable treatments, um, and we're going to use our time, our talents, and our community to work towards a way to solve these really complex problems. Yeah, and I would just add that two of our courses, her work and her brand, students can use if they complete those courses. Uh, Her work is about the history of women and their role in the workplace since the uh, late 1800s. And her brand is about how we can use branding strategies to elevate our own personal brand and then to raise the value of the woman brand. And really, branding is about perception and what people will, how they hold that perception and value it. And, you know, like um, a pair of sneakers, you know, that brand holds a strong value 
people will pay for it. And so one of the ways we can address the pay equity gap is through raising the value of our brand. And those two courses, we have a partnership with Northeastern University that allows students to transfer in credit for those two courses if they successfully complete them through our program. I thank you for all that. I think like two of the things that stuck out were, I mean, just the history part of it. And like Tiffany, like you said, with abortion of, because I totally, I think Marie is like, you're speaking to me of like looking at like everything. It does seem vicious right now. And it does seem like, oh my, this is, seems like out of, you know, out of proportion from what I've seen in my life. And, but, you know, and so looking at the whole context and all of it, and I think just taking power and strength from that and knowing, okay, this has happened before, like, it's not going to be easy maybe, and it's going to be uncomfortable and painful, but, you know, we've gotten through it before. How can we get through it again? So can you share a bit about your Demand 9 campaign? Yeah, definitely. So um, we partner with a lot of uh, influential and trailblazing women uh, in the sports space, and one group that we um, often get our history on the women's role in basketball from, they're called Legend of the Ball. Um, Inc. And they are comprised of members of the first professional women's basketball league, the WBL. They um, introduced us to the Demand 9 campaign, um, which is run by Deborah Larkin. And she was the former lead at the Women's Sports Foundation, um, amongst other things. And she's a really influential person. And she noticed um, that Title IX was not a relevant term on campus. It is relevant. And there are a lot of Title IX issues um, happening on college campuses. But if you asked and polled college students and asked them, what is Title IX? Not many of them could tell you. I think Deborah said um, the percentage was somewhere around 75% we're unsure what Title IX was. And that's a huge problem when something so um, iconic, prolific, uh, and really uh, responsible for the success that women and diverse students have had on campus is not being known. Like I said, I went to law school. I have a legal background. Um, To me, a law is only as relevant as the current generation's association with that law, right? If not, then we have real problems. And so the whole campaign was about reaching college students, getting boots on the ground, and really making sure they understand that Title IX is more than just what it's done for sport, even though that is huge. It's more than what it's done for sexual harassment, even though that is important. Um, It really stands for widespread um, progress uh, in the fields of education and all related activities, um, and that they have a lot to thank Title IX for, but they have also the responsibility to carry its mission forward if we want to celebrate it another 50 years. And so um, Mary and I came up with the idea to combine Deborah's mission with ours of deeply educating these women in intimate cohorts where they feel safe and that they can hone their activism And we came up with the idea to have um, Demand 9 cohorts, which would be uh, a combination of students from individual campuses, both leaders and athletes alike, learning together about the rich history of Title IX and how Title IX um, shows itself on campus in different ways, but also learning how um, to be activated. Gen Z is one of the most active generations that we've seen, but um, we wanted to hone their activism voice and skills so that they, one, felt comfortable expressing themselves. They use history um, and learn from history in order to have a deeper and more sustainable impact. And we supported them in community so that they could learn from each other and build relationships across campus. Uh, and so we had two really successful cohorts one in the fall semester, and then one just now that wrapped up at this spring. And we've reached almost over 30 students on 20 plus campuses. And the impact has been, um, quite honestly, surpassed our uh, expectations. It's been surreal. They wrote a group advocacy letter that 
uh, really called action to all constituents of the university from parents all the way on up to administration. And it's just really touching to hear the voices of young people shine through on what they deem to be important about Title IX and why they feel that it's relevant to them and should be relevant to generations going forward. What you said in the beginning of 75% of people not really knowing or understanding fully what Title IX is. And I think like, I don't know if I would have put myself in that bucket in college. Like I was aware of Title IX, but I was only honestly aware of Title IX in the sports context. And it was only somewhat more recently where I think I've started to understand Title IX really does extend outside of sports. And I think that is just like, like very much a gap in my own knowledge. And also really even understanding how Title IX showed up in my own life and could have showed up in my own experience of like, you know, after my experience with my coach, uh, consulting with a lawyer and seeing like what Title IX practices might be there, might exist. Uh, but, and really just like running into a lot of the barriers I think I ran into in the reporting process was just trying to get knowledge and trying to like, hey, like get in contact with the right people, but also like understand what my options were. And I think that was the hardest thing of like, you know, when you're talking with people who really don't necessarily want to be talking about what you're talking about and like talking in circles and so on, it was really valuable to have a lawyer helping me understand what my options were. And I just got, at the end of the day, I was just lucky that I found it. Do you think Title IX is being used to its like fullest six? Do you think people have the knowledge to know and understand their Title IX options before also those Title IX options kind of aren't available anymore? I think I learned about mine a little late. I think you're you're um, more of a t the typical. I don't think many of us go on to college campus knowing about Title IX, and <clears throat> to me. Why it's so important is because education is, and knowledge is power, right? If you have that education and knowledge, you can say, no, I'm sorry, my rights are X, Y, and Z. And we look at it as empowerment. It is the reason why women, more women are in the STEM fields. It is the reason why there are more women professors. It is the reason why we have access to these prestigious college and university education. And I really hope that the younger generation takes time to understand that and that when they are even looking at college campuses and applying, that that's part of the consideration. What is the cultural um, environment for women on campus. And part of that is understanding and knowing the rights that they have to access that education equally. I think I'll answer your question in which you asked, do you think we're using Title IX to its full potential? And the answer is clear and astounding no, right? Um, I went to law school in the nation's capital at a very uh, amazing law school, and I did not learn about Title IX on its head. There was no time spent there, right? And that's a problem. Um, I think even when you talk about how lawyers are trained, right, in America. So kudos to your lawyer who was able to help you and all of the lawyers that we know that do this hard work um, advocating around uh, clients uh, who are fighting Title IX battles. Um, but the issue is that the rhetoric has been focused on compliance. Compliance is a low bar. That's not the goal, right? I know that achieving equity is hard. I know this as a person of color. I know this as a woman. Um, but that should be the goal, right, at all times. And compliance is a very low bar to get there. And so we already have to first get to compliance. And we talk to our students a lot about what that means. Um, the iconic Donna Lopiano helps us with her framework that we use. Um, and she also serves as an expert witness for Title IX in tons of cases. And we draw on that knowledge. But really, what we want is to create 
spaces and environments where women can thrive and thriving, not surviving is the goal. How do you, do you have any ideas of like, are there resources or wherever, just like, how do we make Title IX more accessible? My, my answer is to take our course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we really dive into the different aspects of it and we help, help people find what interests them most about it. And then they dig deeper into why Title IX matters. We need to help people go from what Title IX is and why it matters to me. And through Mm -hmm. our program, that's what we do. We provide education, we discuss it, we share stories, and then each person in the group makes it personal to themselves. So so you have your Title IX course and it's available year round um, and some people take, okay. Cool. Thank you. We'll link that in the bio. Um, uh, all right. So moving on a little bit, um, I see similarity between Women X and the Rex Project and the goal of trying to get people who have had historically less power in relationships, like athlete to coach, women to many, many different people, um, the knowledge and tools so they can build awareness to make the best decisions for themselves. And I think we've covered and touched on multiple points of this already, but I think a huge concern for athletes is the possibility of retaliation with speaking out against the way they're being treated. And so I'm just wondering how like either of you been in situations where you face a similar concern, face similar treatment um, and the fear of retaliation, how have you responded? My answer to, to these types of questions is around, again, education and helping people get informed on the facts and use those facts to empower them to use their voice. The dynamics in a athletic environment is all is often the a power imbalance. So the best way to, that I find to address those power dynamics is through education and that empowers the individual to speak up and use their voice. What I would say is that's why Women X's work is more um, holistic than trying to uh, make a dent in this fight for gender equity through just educating the individual. There has to be a cultural and societal shift, right, in the mindset. And so what that requires is that uh, we don't just put this work on individuals, particularly those being oppressed or abused. And I'm a real stickler for this. Yes, I want to help women find their voice and be able to help them amplify it and and breathe life and confidence into women so that they can fight these wrongs. But it's not their burden to fight the wrongs by themselves, right? We got to fix the systems. We got to fix the structures. And so the work that needs to be done is also diversity, equity, and inclusion work that is going to take a hard look at these structures and bring up... Um, to universities, uh, to colleges, to corporations, are you creating an environment that fosters the growth of your women? And if you're not, what is broken there? And when I hear you say that somebody's fearing retaliation, that tells me that the problem is not necessarily individual, right? Or relationship-based This is a structural issue where somebody in power feels like they can um, have that much control over the trajectory of another. And we have to get to the bottom of issues like that, I think. And there should be no tolerance for those things in a cultural environment um, that's safe for all. So a big idea that I've at least seen in my own sports experience is coachability. And like the more coachable I was, the more attention and help I received from the coach. And I think that really led me, and especially, you know, as, you know, as female identifying, like not wanting to lean into the, you know, stereotypical gender gender roles and everything. But I think definitely like feeling the pressure to say yes and feeling the pressure to like do, just try to like do everything I can kind of as perfectly as possible or to do more. So that way, like I stand out, I'm different. 
And I think this really does like apply in so much of sports because there is so much pressure if you want to be the best, kind of like this idea that you have to be different and you have to stand out. And uh, I think coachability really can extend though beyond sports and like into work and all of that. Have either of you felt pressure to be coachable um, or similar, similar ideas? I mentor a lot of students um, and I do value the idea of coachability. I think it's really important. Sometimes it's hard for the individual to see the forest instead of the tree and you are the tree, right? And so um, what I view as coachability is being receptive to that bigger picture view how things are done um, so that you can succeed, the team can succeed, um, and also being receptive to critical feedback. That's something that I think a lot of people struggle with, not attached to any gender or race, right? It's hard to hear that you haven't done something well, especially if you're competitive or if you're high achieving. And so coachability really for me in my personal life has helped me take critical feedback, receive it without defense, and then adjust my behavior. Now, what you're alluding to is, is coachability um, a carte blanche for receiving any instruction, including those um, that might be abusive and those that dim my own agency? No, I want to be clear about that, right? Being coachable means that I can receive the mentorship and advice of somebody who's leading my team or leading me in some way, but by no means should I ever feel like I have to give up a piece of myself in that process and a piece of myself that I'm not comfortable with. I really haven't had many great coaches in my life, unfortunately, so I have had more of what Tiffany was talking about, people trying to mold me to a certain way rather than understanding my strengths, especially being dyslexic because I see things differently. And I've always felt that I was the odd one out because I couldn't conform in that way. So I understand the... um benefits of it. However, I haven't experienced it myself. I think I'll just honing in on that part, like coachability and like, and this idea of being open and welcoming to an extent of like all, you know, constructive criticism, criticism that is, you know, delivered with respect that might not be fun because mm-hmm. I, you know, it's not fun to be criticized, but, you know, really coming from this point of respect and it's not just like about devaluing you. It's about building you up. And I think looking at that overall pattern too for athletes of like, if you know you are receiving this criticism over and over and you're noticing that it's like, not necessarily, it's like, you know, you're not doing well, but your coach maybe isn't taking the time to sit down with you and be like, you're doing better. Or if your coach is like, hey, like saying you're not doing well in things outside of sports, that's really, they maybe shouldn't be advising you on and so on. And so I think what both of you said of like, you know, being open to feedback, but not necessarily, you know, but coachability doesn't mean that you're molded into something that someone wants you to be. How do you hold your respect, hold your ground in a place where the power dynamic is, you know, you are in lesser power than, you know, the person in another relationship and so on. I think it's so important um, that you ask this question because ultimately I think it all whittles down to relationship building. And so that's what I emphasize with my students, right? If you invest and the other person on the other side of the relationship invests in the relationship, then the things that are exchanged, actions, words, um, are received in a much different way. If you are assured that it's coming from a place of mutual respect, likability at all levels, even love, um, and you don't ever have to question that person's intent, right? We can hurt each other, but was I being malicious, right, in doing so? And, and I think that's what I tell my my mentees a lot, is that you want to invest in relationships so that it limits the miscommunication of actions and words. Um, but there will always exist, right, 
tension in those ways. And so how do you work through that tension? And I think what I do is I really serve as a sounding board. I don't ever impart advice. I listen and I give options and then we weigh options in terms of response, right? And then I also impress upon them consequence. So if you choose to go this route, what do you think that might lead to? What will you gain? What will you probably bar yourself from? And so when you get in the habit of constantly being in a uh, cost-benefit analysis about the decisions you make, then you feel like you're in more control, at least for me, right? Because I've already thought of the pros. I've already thought of the cons. I'm not blindsided, right? And that's going to carry on into the conversation that I have with that other person, right? And there's going to be more transparency and hopefully more accountability there. And those are the things that I impress on. Transparency, accountability. You give it so that you set that example and hopefully you receive it or at least you communicate that those are the things that you value. And when they're not given to you, you can understand that you have tried your hardest to get that, right? And so I think, um, you know, relationships are tough, especially when there is an expectation on a relationship. So as a coach to an athlete, the expectation is that you all win, right? Or you all do very well. Um, and so there's a power dynamic there. And I think that the more um, communication between the parties, the better. Uh, and challenge is inevitable, but working through those challenges and making sure that everybody's transparent and accountable, I think that's the goal. And that's what I talk to my mentees about. Yeah, no, thank you for that. And to of like finding that outside, maybe not entirely third party or outside, but I think also finding like, you know, if you're an athlete with a coach or whoever with athletic staff of finding that third person or extra person outside of things of to just like ha have us a sounding board to have that person be listening. And I think, like you said, like it's hard, it can be hard to see the forest and you only see like, you know, yourself, the tree and see beyond and I think also see overall patterns that like might be developing the relationship that in the immediate moment it just looks like one thing but someone outside of that relationship might be able to help you just like understand what might else be going on and like you said provide options of like what can you do talk through you with those options um and just under I think help you get that overall bigger picture that can be really hard to see sometimes just on your own so I appreciate all I'll put on my legal hat, right? I think it's really hard when emotions are high, like you're on endorphins in your games and things of that nature um, in a season, right? It's long or in a work environment when there's a project and a deadline, there's a lot of stress involved. But a third party can help you gain perspective, right? Um, time, not addressing issues right in the moment that's heated and just giving a little bit of time for reflection and for things to cool down. But look, I advise anyone, if you believe that you are being unfairly treated, then start to record patterns of behavior because that'll tell you, is this in the moment I'm blowing this out of proportion or have I seen this before? And in what ways? And are those ways that I've seen this before matching? Because what I don't wanna do is, quiet somebody like Mary who has strong intuition, right? And you want to be able to um, say, hey, I've seen a couple of times here that this has happened in different instances or understanding how to track um, abuse, right? Patterns of abuse. And so I think that's important as well is pay attention to what makes you feel uncomfortable. And if you need to um, really think is this a one-off occasion or is this a misunderstanding or have I seen this before? Have I felt this before? And if so, um, maybe there's something I need to do to get ahead of that. I would just say that, you know, we're born kind of knowing ourselves and then the world kind of talks us out of it. And oftentimes we have to go back to that initial intuition and reflection, as Tiffany was saying, Take the time to reflect and listen to that voice inside of us. And in sports, I find that, you know, we have, it's similar in music. You have a passion and your passion is what's driving you. And there are a lot of people who 
for maybe they've been trained in a certain way to coach a certain way. Uh, they don't listen very well to the actual athletes and, or the musicians. And they're training them to, as I said, not listen to their voice inside. And so we have to encourage the people in our lives, our athletes, our musicians, our um, just people working in, in their careers to go back and listen to their inner voice and take the time to quiet um, themselves so that they can hear it and quiet out all the noise because the answer is inside of you. Love that. Um, okay, so what makes you feel empowered? I would say people working together for a better world. And that takes yeah. listening and caring about each other. Serving, point blank, period, in any way that I can. So how do you empower others? For me to lead is to serve. And so I think by being an example and me valuing serving, um, because a lot of times I think our ideas of what leadership looks like can be skewed and often uh, portrayed in a way that is uh, white male dominated, right? That they look like leaders. Um, but the work that working moms do at home, that's that's leading by serving. You lead, you lead your family. Um, and embracing what serving looks like in the most humble sense, I think that helps me empower those that I mentor because they understand that they can come up with their own authentic versions of what leadership looks like. Yeah. For me, I would say listening and meeting people where they're at and also putting more love out there in the world. We need it. Absolutely there. <laughs> okay. So let's, what's next for women? Give yourself a plug, tell us what's coming up and how people can reach you, interact with you and so on. What's most immediately next for Women X is that we're gonna stick with this conversation around gender equity in sport. Um, and we're gonna have a really fun, low touch, fantastic program this summer, kicking off again on Title IX's anniversary, June 23rd. And we're going to bring together a wonderful cohort of diverse women, fans, athletes, um, women in sport, whether you're at the beginning, middle, or end of your careers, trailblazers, professional athletes, all of the like. We want everybody to come together to talk about this momentous occasion in sport once a week over lunch. It's our version of Lunchtime Learns, but trust me, it's never been done like this before. Um, and we just want to get into the nitty gritty about some really important topics that start um, from a sports lens, but really, and ultimately, uh, can affect society and each one of us, um, well beyond the bounds of sport for the long term, uh, what's next for women X for me, uh, and Mary, we're really focused on getting investment. There are not enough women founders who get investment for their ideas and even more than their ideas, great businesses. Right. And we need money um, and we need money in order to reach the amount of women that we want to reach and support. And so we're looking for uh, investors who are aligned with our values and our mission and see the real um, value in our programs and also our community. And I would I would echo what Tiffany just said in the sense that. Education. No one can take our education away from us once we've had have it, right? Our minds cannot be stripped of it. And I think we often take it take it for granted. And the education we have out there is often not from the women's lens. I mean, the amount of women trailblazers that have contributed to our society in ways that we know many men have. Uh, th those women are unknown. There's a woman, Mary Sherman Morgan, who I always love to share her story. She single-handedly saved our, safe, our space program during the Cold War. 
She invented the jet fuel that sent our first rocket to space. And nobody knows her name. And if we don't share their stories, if we don't know that history, how can we judge how far we've come if we don't know where we've come from? So I really hope that everyone can be curious about that. When they learn of something uh, that someone has invented, look to see if a woman has also done the same thing because I'm sure they have. And so I hope people join us in this learning journey in community. Our courses are not webinars. They are conversations. You come, you turn on your, your camera, you share your ideas, you share your perspective, because we have a lot to learn from each other. And that's the kind of education. And that is our philosophy on how we will um, advance in society. Another great woman I like to quote is Grace Lee Boggs. Boggs. She is a uh, philosopher who did a lot of work in social justice. And she says, conversations are where we challenge our own ideas to come to a new and better understanding. And so she would convene groups, very diverse groups together, and to talk about topics on subjects that People, you know, think they may have understood, but after a conversation together, they have a new understanding. And so I hope people come together and convene around topics that are holding society back. Because I think if we come together and really listen and come from a place of love, we can make change. And that's a wrap on our show today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We hope you learned something a little bit, nothing else about Title IX and the initiatives out there, the work that WomanX is doing, Tiffany and Mary. Sincerely great work. We all know knowledge is power and Tiffany and Mary are taking that very tangible thing and using it to give power to women, to minorities. So thank you for them for your work. If you're liking what we're doing, we have our uh, Instagram at The Rex Project, our website, therexproject.org, YouTube channel, podcast already, you're already on it. Um, feel free to like, follow, support. We are building a community around safe sports for all, and we are so, so, so grateful for it. We hope you have a great week and see you later.